Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Life in the Red podcast. Luke Mullen, once again, as I have been here for every episode. Uh, but we welcome, we welcome Amy back. Thank you. Welcome back. It's been um, a, a long, <laughs> like, week plus because, you know, had to go to Rutgers and then went to Big Ten Basketball Media Days and then Purdue. And now we're back. And it's great to be in one place for more than 12 hours at yeah. a time. We how love many, it. How many states have you been in in the last, like, 10 days? Oh, God. Um... Nebraska, Iowa, um, Minnesota, Illinois, Indiana, New York, New Jersey, North Carolina, and Texas. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. That's yeah, a lot. Yeah, the North Carolina yeah. and Texas were obviously layovers. Sure. But yeah. Yep. Been traveling, uh, been on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, we're back now, but obviously. A much needed bye yes, week again for everybody bi-week. involved. Definitely. Especially me. Yep. <laughs> so I think bye week is a great chance. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of this episode we'll be doing mid-season review, breaking down the different position mm-hmm. groups, how we think they perform this year, um, have they lived up to expectations or not. Um, <laughs> many of them <laughs> haven't, but we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, but obviously we, we want to talk about that Purdue game mm-hmm. um, to start things off. Uh, final score on that one, 43-37, Boilermakers win. Um, you know, some positives, some negatives. It was it was an interesting game. Yeah. Uh, haven't seen many, you know, the time of possession battle. We'll, we'll get into that. But I think that the Trey Palmer is, is obviously the standout. You break a school record. Um, and, and his performance, I think it was it was one of those games where, like, he, he kind of single-handedly kept Nebraska in it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Without Trey, I don't know how close that game would have been, but it, it wouldn't have been very close. It was uh, – he just kept – you know, bailing Nebraska out when yeah. they needed to be. And granted, a lot of that came in the second half when they were playing well down and, you know, being a little more aggressive in some of that. Um, but, yeah, he uh, he put on a clinic, um, and it was fun to watch. Even even with the loss, uh, it was still fun uh, to watch him and Casey Thompson get after it there. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt like every time Nebraska dropped back to pass, I mean – that touchdown threat was there with Trey, mm-hmm. and several of them went for touchdowns or at least long gains. I think he had what like three, four catches of you know thirty yards, mm-hmm. which is pretty incredible. Um, but the reason why Nebraska had to do that, kind of resort to those long passes, was the yeah. offensive line in particular um, really really played a poor game. Um, tackles were both getting beat pretty frequently. Pressure on the inside too. Casey really didn't have you know, hardly two seconds really even to to make his reads, you know, stand there in the pocket. So chucking it deep to Trey, letting him go up and get it. I mean, that was that was pretty much their best offense. I mean, yeah, I mean, the meme on Twitter says it all. Yeah. <laughs> Trey down there somewhere. <laughs> and he is. Yeah. Usually. He is so fast. Like, I know they don't have the NFL-type next-gen stats in college football, but, man, I want to know what his top-end speed has been on some of these because – it's lightning fast. Yeah, I want to know that uh, that Purdue defensive back who mm-hmm. who saved the touchdown, the jet sweep. I, I mean, want to know how fast he yeah, was going. Yeah, how fast too. was he going too? Because uh, some pretty elite sprinters out there, I'm sure, to to catch Trey mm-hmm. on that. But you know, K- Casey throws two interceptions. Um, you know, I I thought the first one, you know, it, where the middle linebacker picks him off underneath. I mean, that's that's a throw that he really would want back. He said mm-hmm. that as much, you know, in, in the post game, um, yeah. because it was open. It was there. You just got to throw it a little open. higher, um, you know, maybe get to the read sooner as well. 
Um, second interception was a little bit more confusing. And in particular, I think, you know, he's beat up. We, we've been seeing that all year. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you see him after the game. He's got bruises on his shoulders. You know, he's, he's struggling to walk. Not, not like severely, but, I mean, you've been he's hit a pain. lot. Yeah. He's in pain. He's on the turf all game long, whether that's a sack or he gets, you know, hit after the play as the play unfolds, right? Um, You need to protect him better. And we'll get into that a little more. But, yeah, it's – I try every game to count how many times he gets hit. And I lose track before the end of the first quarter. Oh, yeah. Every game because I'm just – it's too much. And it isn't isn't always like he's getting sacked on these plays. It's – Pretty much all the time, if he's getting a pass off, you know, under pressure, he's getting hit on it, too. Yeah, and granted, not everything, not every play is the offensive line's fault. A lot of it is, but sometimes Casey holds on to the ball a little too long, so it's not like, oh, the offensive line is to blame for all of this. It's not a lot of it, but Casey isn't helping himself on some plays in particular, too. Yeah, and... What could have helped against Purdue was to get the run game going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Boilermakers, they do have a, a strong run defense. We saw that. Um, Anthony Grant's stuff, for the most part, 11 carries for 35 yards um, was his final stat line, which, you know, roughly, you know, a little bit over three yards per carry. It's not awful, but it's not great either. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Nebraska probably wishes they could have run Grant more. Uh, but, you know, they, they go down 17 there in the first half, you know, need to fight back a little bit. And we saw that quick, 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 um, you know, second half offense, just minute-long scoring drives was pretty much all they had. Drives. Yes. Quotes. <laughs> plays, I guess. Technically. Yes, technically plays, drives. Plays to Trey Palmer. Um, but, I mean, the final stats looking at it, Purdue had 608 yards of offense, 38 first downs, held the ball for 42 minutes, 42 seconds. Nebraska still gained 476 yards, but... 17 minutes, 18 seconds, they had had the ball, only 15 first downs. That's insane. I mean, you, you look at those stats and you think, you know, they, they would have lost by like 28 or something ridiculous like that. Like, yeah, they gained a lot of yards. Or you but, think, oh, there was like a defensive touchdown yeah. in there or something. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, it, it was just crazy. The, the speed that they played at mm-hmm. offensively the second half, which again, it was out of necessity, but... I mean, how many offenses nationally do you think can have four straight, you know, scoring drives that take only a minute off the clock each? I mean, that that's tough to do for offenses. Yeah, it it would have to be like the perfect scenario like Nebraska had, or you're just an offense going up against the worst pass defense in the history of football. Yeah. I mean, you don't see it very often. For sure. But, I mean, on the other hand, Aiden O'Connell – played a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think Nebraska's defensive game plan was adequate maybe. You know, it, it was pretty simple trying to force him to make these tough throws. But then he made all the tough throws because he's a guy With who can do it. With the exception of a couple. Yeah. Um, first drive, that interception in the end zone. Yeah, that was I was like, one. oh, yeah, that was a terrible throw. Um, and Malcolm Hartzog made the most of it. And mm-hmm. then he didn't see much of that again. So. Definitely. I mean, the thing that stood out to me was just all the comeback routes, the timing routes mm-hmm. right to the boundary where, I mean, you have half a second window maybe. You know, you, you got to deliver that ball on time. Charlie Jones made a meal. Um, I think probably about half of his catches were routes like that where mm-hmm. he just spins off the, the coverage, you know, makes himself open to O'Connell, and O'Connell hits him. 
which is really, really tough for a defense to, to contend against. But I think you just got to give credit to O'Connell and Jones. They've got a, a great connection, and that's a big reason why they're, they're leading the way as one of those teams in the Big Ten West right now. Which is hilarious. Yeah, but anyway. Purdue, Purdue and Illinois, very close. We we passed through Champaign, indeed, on on the way there. We to, did uh, got some Culvers yes, in Champaign to Purdue. So yeah. who would have thought? Close up the road, those two teams. They uh they very well uh, might be uh, battling out there for the division title. Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, not no, not even close. Yeah, I think I picked. Minnesota and Wisconsin before the season to like be the contenders in the division. Ha, that aged well. And I mean, it was, you weren't here, but only last week, Jordan and I, we were, you know, talking about the Big Ten West. Who do we think? We're both sitting up here. We're saying, you know, Minnesota, they're the, the most well rounded team. They'll figure it out. <laughs> I think it, okay. that, that says it all. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on the Illinois train now. I, I forget about it. Forget about Minnesota, Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> Illinois is the team to watch. Um, but, you know, going back to that Purdue game, like I said, I mean, there were reasons for encouragement, reasons to be worried. Mm -hmm. um, a few that come to mind, starting with the, the more worrying reasons, another 600-yard game um, where the defense gave up 600 yards. Mm -hmm. You thought, you know, maybe they kind of turned a corner. Rutgers and Indiana, not the greatest offenses. That was always going to be – Purdue was always going to be the stress test mm -hmm. to see how much they've improved seems like some of that progress got walked back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yep. And offensively, again, they, they had the big plays, but couldn't really string together first downs. If you don't have those big plays, the offense just wouldn't have produced. No, no. I mean, you need to be able to, like, set the tone and set the tempo. You can't have these one or two play drives. That's not a drive. You need something that's, like, sustained. Like, obviously, you love to score you know, right, on mm -hmm. one or two plays. But you can't keep up with that speed, like, all game long. Like, you need to be able to slow it down, which is something that the coaches have said that they wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but when you're playing from behind, you can't necessarily do that either. Uh, so middle ground, I think, there would be good to set the tone. Yeah. But you can't get down by 17 points early either. I mean, when, when they're taking these big shots, obviously, a lot of them paid off, but it hurts when you have – you know, one, two incompletions, now it's third and 10. And, you know, that, that's a tough, tough down to convert, you know, go three and out, or maybe you only pick up one first down, and you punt it back, mm -hmm. you know, only taking 45, 50 seconds off the clock. I mean, that, that doesn't help the defense out at all. No, especially the defense needs as much help as humanly possible. And that is not a way to set them up for success either. Yep. And third, third reason to be worried, we talked about it, but offensive line just overpowered again. Um, some some good athletes along that Purdue defensive line that uh, made them pay, you know, worked for it to to get that pressure, get those sacks, but some even better athletes um, coming up in the next four or five games. So we'll see how the line holds up uh, in those ones. I'm not optimistic. <laughs> well, here are the things to be optimistic <laughs> about then uh, from that Purdue game. We started off Trey Palmer, always a, a touchdown threat every down. I mean, he he looked every bit like a five-star recruit, every bit like a guy who you think is going to completely change a game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he balled out, and he's been balling out all season, right? Uh, but this, he just took it to the next level last week. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, second reason for encouragement, for all the reasons that, you know, Nebraska gave up 600 yards, couldn't get the first downs, they were still in it with five mm -hmm. minutes left. Could have got a stop near midfield, that fourth and mm -hmm. one. 
you know, that's a that's a big moment if you're going to win games like these. Mickey's been preaching all all mm-hmm. all month long, you know, about winning that fourth quarter. Talked about how they did it the last two games. If they were going to win this one, win the fourth quarter, that was the moment to do it. And you know, all, all you can ask for is a chance, and they had it. Yeah, and, but you need your defense to make those plays. Yep, indeed. But the overall takeaway, I think, is that this team still has fight. That was very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we talked a lot earlier in the year about belief. You know, do they believe that they can win these games? We've seen a, a strong improvement there under Mickey mm-hmm. um, in charge. And, and definitely this team still believed afterwards, talking to the players. All of them were talking about bringing that same fight, um, you know, entering the bye week, you know, figuring out what they needed to fix and, and bringing that same fight to the rest of the season. Yeah, I feel like my – column after the Rutgers game was like exclusively just about fight and I could have written the same column last week right just they're continuing to fight like they actually believe in themselves in the fourth quarter they're not like rolling over um and that in of itself if you're looking for a silver lining is definitely one like yes they lost last week but they were still in it until the end until the end and for all of their faults and there are many they're playing like a team that actually like wants to win and believes that they can. Yeah. Which is a step forward. And takeaway for me, you know, honestly, at, at the start of the year, I, I wouldn't have necessarily said it was going to be a six-point game. Before the game, I wouldn't have also probably thought it was going to be a, a one-score game too. So while there were plenty of things to improve on, I think keeping it that close and, and having mm-hmm. that chance to win it, that's a, a definite positive for the team. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, now in the bye week, I think they'll be uh, they'll be doing some reflection in the building. Um, you know, having a couple of days of practice to start mm-hmm. off with. Coaches will be out in the recruiting trail this weekend, um, seeing a few 2023 prospects, uh, a few of the guys that they need to check in on and and make sure that they're good for that commitment um, this winter. Also, you know, making some headway with uh, the 24 prospects. But on our end. I think it's time for a little mid-season review. Mm-hmm. Mid-season, seven games in, but close enough. As close as we can get um, here for the bye week. So, wanting to go a little position by position, give our mid-season grades, talk about it. You know how our expectations, you know, maybe have or haven't been lived mm-hmm. up to. Um, you know how they've stepped up or or fallen down, I guess, yeah. in in recent weeks, which has been the case for a few. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll start on the offensive side of the ball. Doesn't get any better than the quarterback. Um, Casey's played the vast majority of the snaps, seen some others very, very briefly, seen Purdy very briefly as well, but Casey's been the guy. Um, what grade do we give him? So I give him like a B to a B minus, um, a little bit of a downgrade for some of the errant throws that he's made that either turned into interceptions or like another one that comes to mind was the airmail uh, to yeah. Brown in the end zone. Yeah. Um, but um, he's still 21st nationally in passing yards with, like, almost 2,000. He's at, like, 1,800 and some change, mm-hmm. um, which just – if you would have told me before the season that they would have the record that they have, but this would be Casey's stat line, and knowing that the offensive line has not done him a whole lot of favors, um, that's a win, I think. Like, he's being productive. And he's really banged up, too. So yeah. does Trey Palmer have something to do with that? Yes, he has mm-hmm. a lot to do with that. But, you know, could be better, but could be a lot worse. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'll give him a B-minus. 
Um, I think he's, he's definitely been above average. Um, he, he's done some great things for this offense. Um, you know, I, I think in particular, he does a great job on a lot of those shorter, quick reads, you know, when they mm-hmm. are able to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Um, a lot of the times, though, I mean, that, that accuracy to, to Trey Palmer deep, it comes and it goes, which is, is difficult, you know, always pressure, you know, the coverage. There's a lot of different factors there. But, you know, he's overthrown Trey. He's underthrown Trey. You know, it, it's not been as consistent, probably, as Casey would like. And health, protection, those are major factors in it. Um, but, yeah, overall, I think he's, he's done a good job leading the offense. He's been, you know, that, that threat that you want from your quarterback who can make those big throws, um, you know, lead the team down the field mm-hmm. when they need it. Obviously, we saw that against Purdue. They needed him to lead quick drives. He did just that. Um, and I think he's done, a, he's done a good job executing a lot of what he needs to. Could he execute better? Yes. And I think he's, uh, he's probably watching some of the, the same film this week and, and figuring that out. And he's getting some rest. So yes. Hopefully. Much needed. Much needed indeed. Yeah. If anybody needs it. Everybody does, right? Yep. But uh, he, he needs it. Absolutely. So. Um, and, and moving on to running back, Anthony Grant. He's been the workhorse there. Mm-hmm. A couple different guys in the mix. A.J. Allen, unfortunately, out for the year after a, a pretty strong start. But... I'm going to give running back a B plus. Mm-hmm. I think um, that a lot of the challenges for the running backs have been, you know, maybe finding the right hole or, you know, knowing when to break a run versus, you know, bouncing it out and, and you know, staying true to where the design play is. Grant in particular has done a great job. A lot of his best runs to me have just been, you know, bouncing it out, breaking a tackle and, you know, kind of making his own lane, you know, doing his own thing. I think they've, they've done a good job, um, you know, in pass protection, too, I think, you know, picking up some of those blitzes, um, you know, the different stunts and things that the defenses have done. So I think the running backs have been a, a pretty solid overall. Mm-hmm. Could maybe have a, a little bit bigger impact, but Grant's been a big part of this offense. Yeah, and I'm along the same lines as you. I said a B. Um, yes, did Nebraska have the best running outing last week? No, but even still, Anthony Grant is number 15 nationally yeah. in Yards rushing, which I don't know if I would have picked that. Yeah, me neither. Um, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of – we didn't even know who the starting running back was going to be. No, I mean, like, this morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just – I don't know. I just thought there would be more rushers out well, there. He's, with he's had he's had 400-yard games. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I just – I guess my sense of the the general run offense around the country has uh, not great. Sure, it's passing. That's it's on a me though. League. That's on me though. <laughs> well, since it's such a passing league, I mean, wide receivers playing such a big part, and Trey Palmer, he's the guy who, mm-hmm. who leads this room, leads the team, and he's done a, a great job so far this year. The question is, how much does his grade impact the rest of the room? Yeah, so it feels like Trey is that guy in your group project that's bringing everybody's grade up. <laughs> like, that's a good way of putting it. Like, yeah. he, for the sake of the analogy, is the nerd who knows everything and is doing everything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're going to get an A from that guy, but what if that guy's, you know, out sick for a day? Mm-hmm. C. Um, I mean... Look, like he's number one in all of the FBS in terms of yards receiving, and he's playing for this Nebraska team. Like, that's bewildering to me. Um, 781 yards. Um, dude just needs to average like 35, 36, something like that for the next five games to hit 1,000. 
mm-hmm. which is crazy. Um, some really good defenses in there, so who knows how they will game plan for him. Uh, but, yeah, he is – it's like him and then, like, no one else is even close. I think it's Marcus after that in terms of, like, receiving yards. Yeah, it is. Trey has 781, and then Marcus has 296, and no one else has over 200 because Oliver's got 180, and then Castaneda's got that 120 from the opening game. And then Travis Vokalek, but he's a tight yeah. end. So. Pretty uh, pretty steep drop-off there. Yeah, um, I mean, if it ain't broke. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm giving them I'm giving them the the group grade. <laughs> I, I'm saying wide receivers as a whole, you get a you get an A minus. If if Trey carried you to that A minus, then uh, then so be it. Because yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean he's the he's the best playmaker on this offense. Without him, this would be a completely different team. Um, he's he's changed several games, not just this Purdue game. So yeah, to me that that Trey Palmer addition has just elevated this wide receiver room so much. The other guys, I think I think Marcus has been solid. Alante mm-hmm. Brown, they've both been solid. You know, done a decent job run blocking too when they need to. Um, but maybe you know they haven't probably made as big of an impact as they'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, a few drops for both of them. You know that that's been a little bit of an issue. And then the depth behind it, Oliver Martin has done a good job in a rotational role. But you know after that, it's not a whole lot of snaps to go around for the rest of the wide receivers. Nope. So maybe Tommy Hill will work his yeah, way in. Yeah, indeed. Saw him get a couple routes there against Purdue. Yeah. They gave him the old uh, vertical special, just run fast down the <laughs> field, and hey, it worked. He almost he almost broke free. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see what he can provide in the next next five games. But mm-hmm. you mentioned Travis Vokalek. Um, he's been a big part of this offense too. Last couple weeks in particular, he had a big game against Rutgers. Um, after coming back from injury earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. A few other guys have had to to rotate in at that position, and so what do you make of them? Yeah, I just feel like the the preseason expectation compared to where we are now, um, I give them a C, um, and some of that isn't their fault yeah. at all. You know, Travis getting hurt didn't help. Um, Fedoni, not going to see him at all. You know, that kind of stings. That factors into my grade a little bit just based off of, like, where we were hopeful for the beginning of the year, and now here we are. Um, I'd like to see more of them get involved. Um, obviously, a tight end is different than wide receiver because um, it just it doesn't need to be just Travis, right? You know, get Brew in there a little bit, yep. you know. Borkercher in there a little bit, you know, just see, just see, I don't know. I just, I want tight ends to be more active. Like I know they're supposed to be blockers and stuff, but it's, it's kind of fun to see tight end touchdowns. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Well, it, it had been a while. I mean, Vokalek, a guy who, mm-hmm. who'd been a great threat. I mean, he, he caught that touchdown against Rutgers. It was his, his first as a Husker. I mean, he, he probably played what, like 20 games before that. Yeah. Something like that. Admittedly, quite a few as a backup behind uh, Austin Allen out there, yeah, but that's that's what I want to see. Though he's not right? coming back. <laughs> <laughs> we could just you could just trot him out there. You're like, hmm, didn't this isn't this guy in the NFL? No, no, no. He's he's still on the roster, super senior. <laughs> or they they can give him like a, a fake mullet disguise, and it'll be it'll be like Vocalex out there. No one will even notice. <laughs> But no. <laughs> no. So for for Vocalex hair alone, um, I'll give him I'll give him a higher grade. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I I do have them I do have them a little bit higher graded than you. I give him a B 
And my my logic for that is that when Vokalek's been on the field, I think he's he's been a great yes. addition to his offense. Teams have to cover that tight end position differently. Um, in particular, he he did change that game against Rutgers. He did change the coverage. You know, making sure that they had to account for him underneath. Um, but at the same time, there's been a few games where I'm like, they could get Vokalek more involved. They could really mm-hmm. get him the ball more. Um, which you know, credit to the defenses for for shutting him down, making sure he doesn't have mm-hmm. those open looks. And I think the other guys have been solid too. Um, Brewington made a little bit bigger of an impact, you know, mm-hmm. with scoring touchdowns and, and getting involved last season. But he's been very good as a blocker. Everyone, you know, on the team says he's a great blocker. And you know, they, they've done a lot of lining him up in the backfield, not quite as a fullback, kind of just you know, right behind the line of scrimmage as a, a lead guy who can throw a block or get out there. Um, so he, he's done a lot with that. Borkicher, former walk walk on. Um, you know, he he did a solid job, I think, in a couple games, kind of faded a little bit more out of the rotation, um, seen a little bit out of Chris Hickman and, and A.J. Rollins briefly as well, two other in-state guys. But mm-hmm. I think Bruinton's done a great job. Vokalek's been been very good when he's been on the field. Um, so, yeah, I, I give him a B. I'm greedy. I want more. <laughs> well, <laughs> we can move on to one where I think we're, uh, we're in agreement with yep. the offensive line. F. F. Yep. Bad. Now, it's, it's kind of hard to um, say exactly what should change or what they should do to get that grade up other than play Protect better. better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it goes back to just your fundamentals and your assignments. I'm obviously not an offensive lineman. I'm five two. Um, you wouldn't want me out there. No, that would be that would be even worse. Uh, it just it's so disheartening because the offensive line has been a staple Absolutely. for Nebraska forever, and to see a line play like this is frustrating. And look, like losing Teddy, obviously you don't plan for that. Losing. Uh, Newly, you don't plan for that either. So, but you have to figure it out. You have to be ready. You know, Mickey Joseph says this until the cows come home. You know, next man up mentality. And whether that's playing out of position or doing something that isn't asked of you traditionally, but you got to make it work. And I just, it's so disheartening. Because how much better could this offense be? Absolutely. How much better could yeah. this team be if your offensive line was on the same page and making the blocks that they need to make and not getting beat? I mean, it, it stuns me how many plays there are where, in particular, I think the tackles get beat very quickly because, you know, the edge rushers, they have a lot of leverage. They have mm-hmm. a lot of different moves that they can make, so it's, it's yeah. easier to go off tackle there. Um, but there have been a lot of plays where those guys get beat right off the snap. You know, just one move and the lineman is passed. And that's just a dead play then. I mean, Nebraska could have gone for a, an- another Trey Palmer touchdown. You know, they could have broken whatever it might be. And this is this is a lot of pass plays and, and pass yeah. protection. Um, but it, it's just striking to me how many lost plays there are because of the protection up front. And what I wonder, too, is if they could do a better job scheming, you know, protection for these guys i mean how much chipping do they do with tight ends on the line of scrimmage not a whole lot i mean vocalek is lining up off the line a lot and how many how many six seven man offensive lines have we seen not a lot they go unbalanced Mm -mm. 
sometimes, but that hasn't always paid off. Yeah. And I think a lot, I think the reason why we don't see that is because they weren't very confident in the depth. They had the starting five roll out there, and like you said, Teddy gets hurt. Um, it's been changed up a lot. We've we've seen basically mm-hmm. a different starting five every one of the last you know three four weeks. Mm-hmm. And so I I think there was a, a big conversation about do they have the depth to you know play six seven linemen out there and and no, they went with five and and now they're down to those six seven and eight and that's why uh, the line continues to struggle. It hurts me. I just want them to be so much better. Well, it's it's the it's the foundation of a football team. Good you're luck. only as good yeah. as your li- you're only as good as your lines. Exactly. If your offensive line is garbage and your defensive line is garbage, what do you have? A few flashy <laughs> gadgets that uh, show up every now and then and make some big plays, but it's tough. It is tough. I'm from Nebraska. I love offensive line play. This just hurts me. Anyway, we can move on yep. to something that is still very <laughs> depressing. Yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll break up the defense, you know, into a few more specific positions. So we'll just start off with mm-hmm. the interior of the defensive line. Um, a lot of the times that is a, a two-man interior. Sometimes it's a three, depending if they, uh, you know, line up those, those edge guys even further. But the interior um, defensive line has been very poor, in my opinion, too. Leaves a lot to be... Um, wanted out yep. of them. So I'm, I'm giving them a D. I also give them a D. And um, I, think, I think the biggest reason for that is the run defense. They've just been static. I just feel like they haven't done a good job getting off those blocks, you know, closing up the gaps. Against Rutgers and Indiana, again, those two weeks where there were improvements, thought they did a lot better job closing up those gaps and, and you know, making sure that the run game wasn't just getting gashed and, and getting moved off the line of scrimmage. But I think they they just haven't been strong enough at the at the point of attack. No. And you can look at all of the holistic defensive stats. Um, Nebraska is near the bottom of all of FBS football in most. Not all, but most. And rushing defense is down there with the worst of them, 117 out of 131 in terms of rushing defense, allowing opponents to go for almost 200 yards a game on the ground. What are we doing? Hey, they were they were bottom five two or three weeks ago. Improvement. Not good <laughs> enough. It's not good enough. Yeah. And to me, to me the rotation has been very interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you don't want these guys to get gassed. You don't want them to be out there, you know, 60, 70 snaps. Um, but at, at the same time, it's been very interesting. Ty Robinson, a guy who was Played 71 snaps there against Northwestern. Had been kind of in the 30 to 40 snap range. Obviously, this Purdue game was kind of an outlier with yeah, 100 snaps. snaps. Um, but, you know, Colton Feast, he'd been kind of in the 30 to 40. Um, Nash Hutmaker had 26 snaps each of the first two weeks. Completely faded out of the rotation. Only gets in against Purdue when they are gassed. They need guys to get in. Devin Drew, Stephon Wynn, they've been kind of in the 20 to 30 snap range. Really haven't showed me a whole ton. I think Wynn has, has been all right, had some decent moments. Um, Drew, too, both those guys. Mm-hmm. Big time, you know, Power 5 transfers. Drew got on campus late, but, you know, you're counting on those guys to to at least be pretty solid, and, and I don't think they played up to their, their ability. Not so far, no. And I think that we'll move on to the edge rushers now, too. 
um, because that's that's impacted their performance as well, um, having to do a lot in in run defense and getting to the quarterback is a lot easier when you have those guys on the inside, you know, making progress, making penetration as well. Um, but, but edge rushers, I, I give a C minus so far. And I give them a D. Yeah. And I, I think to me the, the strongest perhaps player on that defensive line has been O'Shawn Mathis. I don't think anyone has done a better job in run defense. He's set the edge more than I can remember anyone else doing it. Um, he's been asked to do a lot of hard Hard work, I think, for that defense. He's a smart football player. Um, hasn't quite had the sack production he did at TCU, but he's fulfilling a different role for this defense. Garrett Nelson has has come on with a few sacks in the last couple of weeks. Great at pass rush, um, but Not overall, so much on run yeah, defense. overall um, those those edge rushers have have some issues to to work on as well. Yeah, and that's something that pains me too, is because they are such good athletes, all of them. Yeah, and. Just the big question is just why? Why is this not working? Um, and that's a it's a very long-winded answer. Um, <laughs> we could have a whole pot on that. <laughs> just on that alone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they, they they're better than this. I feel like I say that every week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they are better than this, and um, I think they know it too. Yeah. Well, onto the linebackers then, and we'll include nickel in there mm-hmm. um, because we. We've seen that pretty common defense, two linebackers, one nickel, um, been been pretty common for the, the base defense so far. And we're, we're pretty close to agreement here. I'm saying C for this group. Yeah, I'm at C minus. Yeah. And to me, it, it's a very similar thing um, to the edge rushers, just to a different extent. The run defense, these linebackers have been asked to do a lot because just with those two guys, you know, depending on where the nickel lines up, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they've got a lot of room to cover. And if the defensive line isn't plugging those gaps up front, then you've suddenly got a couple different gaps where the running back can go as opposed to, you know, just one where you can come up and make that run stop. So um, Nick Henrik, Luke Reimer, both been hurt, both had different moments. I think Henrik in in particular might be uh, a loss for the rest of the year. We'll wait for official confirmation on that one. Um, Um, Trev Alberts did not sound uh, very optimistic uh, during his weekly uh, radio hit so but that's why I ticked the linebackers down a little bit is because like yes Henrich and Reimer are very good but the depth behind them just needs a little work and you know like injuries are a part of the game Mm -hmm. they are my least favorite part of the game (laughs) I think that goes for everybody um but yeah those guys being hurt at various points of time is it's just not helping this defense and you need your best players on the field and when those guys are dealing with stuff um what can you do yeah I will give a shout out I think Isaac Gifford has he grown into that really, role in nickel. he really yeah. played well last week I thought yeah because, I will give him that because I think you know there there was Chris Kalarvik got a little bit of snaps you know Javin Wright He's been in the mix. Omar Brown have very limited, mm-hmm. um, you know, moving to that nickel. They really, they really found that guy in Gifford. Yeah, he, he's played pretty well there, yep. especially last week. Yeah, so still some stuff to work on, but yeah. I think he's been a he's been a standout of that linebacker and nickel group. Um, moving on to the back end of the field, mm-hmm. um, we'll start with the corners. Um, same grade on this one for both of us. We're going C minus. Yep, and. It's a tough one too because there's been there's been a lot of different corners out there. It's been hard to yeah. feel the same two starting corners at least 
in the last, you know, three to four weeks. It was it was pretty consistent the first three, four weeks of the year. But, you know, Tommy Hill fades out of the rotation, um, got burned one too many times, I think, in those first couple of weeks. Malcolm Hartzog, true freshman, has uh, been dependable. He's He's been beat, too. He's but, made some rookie yep. mistakes, but I feel like he's redeemed himself from mm-hmm. those, right? Um, you know, he's a freshman, right? It's, you know, he's like 18, 19, something like that. Yeah. You know, out there with the... Uh, with really talented receivers. So, but he's made a big play in the last three games, whether that was on defense or special teams. And I think that's needed. Um, yeah, sometimes you're going to get beat, but it's how you recover from that. Yep. He's shown that he's doing all right. And Quentin Newsom, then, been yes. dependable. Um, only missed quite a bit of time in that Rutgers game. Mm-hmm. Only played 24 snaps in there, but... 522 snaps he has there. Um, only Miles Farmer got him beat there in the secondary. Those two guys, they've been out there a lot. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll get on to the safeties here very briefly. But in particular, I think the corners, the area where I see the need to improve is press coverage, You know, not letting the guys get a cushion mm-hmm. quarterbacks can throw into, especially against Purdue. Um, they had a lot great. of separation. So. Yeah, lots of separation. And this goes for both corner safeties, the entire you know, pass defense. Yeah. 121 out of 131, allowing 281.3 yards per game. Not great. Yeah, and not not all of those games have been uh, a great passing offenses either. Nope. The Rutgers one in particular yeah. uh, comes to mind. But yeah. some good quarterbacks have, have picked them apart, and mm-hmm. that's and been consistent. And some not-so-good quarterbacks <laughs> have picked them apart too. Yeah. Well, safety's been involved in that too, mm-hmm. and we are we are different on this one. We are. I've I've got him at a B. C. Which I I totally understand, and my reason for for giving a B is very similar to what I said for the linebackers. They've been asked to do a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been needed to run stop, which obviously you need them to be ready for that. But I think um, they've made they've had to make too many run stops. And Marcus Buford to me has been a little up and down. Mm-hmm. He's had some great moments, some poor moments, but I, I do think he's been one of the better performers on this defense. Um, he raises that grade for me a little bit. Miles Farmer been very consistent out there as well. Um, could they be better? Yes. I, but I struggle to find too many moments where I'm like, they were the cause for this play, play breaking oh, down. Oh, yeah, and I, like I agree with you on that, but a C is average. Yeah. This defense is worse than that. So I'm being nice. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Maybe. Well, I'm being too nice then is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, safeties, I believe in you. <laughs> last area last area to get into their special teams. One of the highlights of this team. I Incredible. Know. What, what a concept. <laughs> I think good luck telling someone after last year, the special teams will be the highlight, whereas the defense is just, like, falling apart at times. Yeah, anyone who paid attention last season would look at you like you had three heads. Yeah. Yeah, no. I I give them an A-. minus. think you give them a tick above. Yep. I give them the minus there um, uh, solely because of um, Puccini's injury. Mm-hmm. That worries me for the future. Absolutely. Um, and... Um, I just I can't let the onside kick go. <laughs> I can't Fair let enough. it go. I can't let it go. Well, I, I would I would attribute that to coaching, not the <laughs> not the special teams unit. 
Um, Fair but, enough, but I, I can't let it go. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just see a lot of consistency. I don't think yeah. – have there been any kickoffs out of bounds? I don't remember any. Um, Some touchbacks. Yeah. But. Haven't been a ton of huge returns allowed. Um, mm-hmm. The areas where I think they need to improve, punt and kick returns yeah. then too. I mean, they they just haven't produced anything on the other end of the field, which playing it safe, you know, that uh, it isn't the worst approach, but – it could help definitely a, a more explosive player too out of that. Tommy Hill, very close. He, to breaking he a big was one. so close yeah. to breaking a few away last week. Um, I think them moving him over there um, was a good move. Yeah, it's smart. It's, it's hasn't paid off in terms of like a touchdown, but he had some pretty sizable returns yeah. last week. Um, and considering, I think going into that game, Nebraska only had one return mm-hmm. on the season one <laughs> anything is better yeah. than I think it was for negative yardage I believe so anything is be- better than that yep so. and you know Bushini started off the year great you mentioned the injury that's definitely noticeably impacted his power mm-hmm. you know how far he's able to punt but Timmy Bleakrow to me has been very consistent Hasn't been asked to kick a lot of field goals, nope, but... not until last week. He's perfect on extra points. Huskers missed four last year. I mean, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Timmy. Don't, not trying to jinx you here. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's been good. He's been consistent, and that's, that's what you want. Yeah, of course. Like, it's kind of crazy to me that uh, he hadn't been asked to kick a field goal during the Mickey Joseph era until right. last week. I don't know. A lot of, I mean, a lot of it was just... Not getting stopped at the right time. Yes, I know, but still interesting nonetheless. Indeed. Well, that's running through all the positions. I think we got to give them uh, an overall grade now. Three and four on the year. Um, Two and three there in the the Big Ten. What do we think? I'm thinking like a C, C minus. Yeah, I I think so too. Trey Palmer boosting everybody's grade. (laughs) Literally. And the special teams too. But yeah, no, the... Yeah, Trey Palmer, Brian Buschini, and uh, yep. Timmy Bleak Road uh, putting the whole team on their backs right now. It's an interesting one, like, thinking about our expectations because before the season, three and four at this point in the year, you'd be like, ah, that's – they could be better than that, right? Yeah. Well, though after how they started, they fire Frost, and three and four at this point in the year, you're like, hmm, that's a pretty good job of, of turning things around. So yeah. expectations have changed. I think C is is pretty fair at this point. Yeah. Average. Could be so much better. Indeed. Could still be yeah. worse. But five weeks left. You know, they're, they're going to be making some improvements, some changes this week, mm-hmm. um, trying to address those problem areas, um, which brings us into our, our final topic today, our Husker yep. Hot Topic. You know, looking ahead to these these final five games, you know, how, how many wins are there left on the schedule? How many wins do we think that Nebraska ends the season with? For me, logically, I think they win one more game. Mm-hmm. The ceiling is five for me. I guess it is technically possible that they could win three more games. Yeah. I just don't see it happening. Um, I think they can get either Iowa or Wisconsin, but probably not both. And who knows what version of Minnesota is going to show up here. Definitely, yep. So, yeah. I don't know. I still think that one's a little out of reach. But who knows? They could look real bad. Because yeah. they have looked real bad 
<laughs> but you know who else has looked real bad? Nebraska. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm very similar to you, but I I will say four. I'm going to definitively say four. Um, I think they get one more win. The Iowa game to me stands out because of how bad the Iowa offense has been. And that game is going to be Nebraska offense that's pretty good. Trey Palmer, cheat code, Anthony Grant could get it done um, against a, a defense that's, you know, top ten really nationally. Good. Yes, one of the best in the country. Top five, actually, I should mm-hmm. say. I think they're averaging about ten, uh, about ten points per game allowed, but an offense that's just atrocious. And so what happens when you have an atrocious offense against a defense that's got burned quite a lot? We'll see what happens. But I get the feeling that I think Nebraska can, can, can make enough big plays um, to come away with that win. The other games I'm a lot less confident on. Just like you, I think that Wisconsin won. They've been down. Mm-hmm. You know, get them at home. You know, that, that's a big opportunity. Minnesota, yes, they've been so inconsistent, but they have a great defense, mm-hmm. and I think that wins out. Illinois, nope. I'm very pessimistic about. That defense is legit. I mean, they... Scary. Yeah, they will stop anybody. Um, pretty decent offense, too. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to run all over Nebraska probably in, in, a, in a short amount of time. So we'll see how that game goes. Um, and we haven't even mentioned it, but Michigan, that's a, that's a walk and loss. I really don't want to think about that game. Given the, given the talent level that Michigan has all over the field... Nebraska would, they'd have to play to the top, you know, the top most of their ability and then some. Something stupid would have to happen. Like, just dumb. (laughs) Yeah. Like, a pick six or a blocked punt return touchdown Mm -hmm. or, I don't know, something really, really dumb. Like, really, really dumb. Yeah. And, like, maybe multiple dumb things. Yeah for them to even have a chance. So that's the way we see it. Maybe maybe a win, maybe two, maybe even none, if you want to be really pessimistic. I don't I don't want to be super pessimistic yeah. like that because I'm tired of writing games, uh, game columns about losing. Like, no one likes that. It, well, it, I don't like that. I know me, fans don't either. To me, it feels like the team has improved too much to be super pessimistic. Like, yeah, you, you know, you, you want to hold the brakes a little bit, you know, not mm-hmm. get ahead of yourselves, but... They have improved a lot in the last couple of weeks, and, and that's why we're more comfortable projecting a winner or two as opposed to, to losing out or anything like that. Yeah, no. I Nope, I don't want that to happen because I'm selfish, yep. not because I'm like this crazy Husker <laughs> fan over here. Well, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's, uh, it's going to be an interesting five-game slate before the year. You know, we always knew that this November stretch was going to be tough, but this Illinois game, you know, heading into it, that – that one kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I uh, I went back and reread some of my preseason predictions the other day. Whew, that humbled me real quick. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> Illinois, definite win. Minnesota, Wisconsin, yikes. Right. Well, maybe think... maybe yikes for an entirely <laughs> different reason. Well, I I looked back at you know I. Big Ten power rankings that I make every week. And, you know, after Illinois lost to Indiana, I'm like, you know, they're worst team in the conference. Who loses to Indiana? And now suddenly that's the, the only black mark on their schedule. Top 25 team. Who knows what the season has in store for them. Pretty incredible. Never, never doubt Brett. Yep. 
Well, we'll we'll get into that full preview. We'll uh, mm-hmm. we'll do that all in in the next episode of Life in the Red. But I think I think that about does it for mm-hmm. our our mid season breakdown today. Hope you enjoyed all of our grades. If if you got different grades, you think we're we're off the mark, let us know. What do you what do you grade the team's performance overall, mm-hmm. position by position? Um, let us know what you think. But like I said, I mean, coaches will be out on the recruiting trail. Team trying to get some stuff done this week, and they'll come back at it next week. Um, ready. Ready to go up against Illinois and get ready for that five-game run. Here we go. Yep. Well, that'll do it for us. Um, for Amy Just, I've been Luke Mullen. Appreciate all of you um, tuning into this episode of Life in the Red, and we'll see you next week.